if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. I thank you, Jesus. Your loving kindness is better than life. I thank you, Jesus. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a round of applause for He does all things well. Come on, He does all things well. Come on, look at His handiwork. He does all things well. Oh, we love you, Jesus. The heavens declare your glory, but let creation declare it right now. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It has been my distinct privilege and honor to be with the Arizona District. You guys are destined for greatness. There's too much witness of the Spirit for there not to be a destiny that God has for you. Man, I, I this is the God honest truth. I don't say this everywhere I go because I don't always enjoy everywhere I go. But this is one of the elite districts, and that's a fact. That's a fact. See, everyone wants to be a part of the big thing when big things are happening. But the Bible says in Zechariah 4.10, despise not the day of small things. If you don't despise your size, but use your size to your advantage, you'll break through and you'll be legendary, and then the floodgates will open and people want to be a part of what's going on in Arizona. See, there's some districts that have a stigma like South Dakota. We've got seven churches in the whole state. I was specifically told and warned not to go there because it's got a stigma. There's Maybe I shouldn't name drop districts that have stigmas, but there's some districts that have stigmas, but God's about to reverse the curse and God's about to make those districts, legendary districts that people are going to want to be a part of. But God wants to use this group right here. God wants to use this group of young people in this place to do exploits for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that. And it, you have blessed me. I hope somehow the Lord has used me to bless you. But overall, the God honest truth is you have blessed me. You have inspired me to know that our movement has a bright future. A bright future. We're going to go to the book of John chapter 6. As you're turning there, you can remain seated because you know I ramble. You know I talk a lot. But I do want to say thank you to the youth confetti, the youth committee, and uh, those that are responsible and those that are irresponsible for allowing me to be with you all. And uh, you guys, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. And I give honor to, to uh, Pastor Allen honor to all the pastors that are in this place, all the ministers in this place, all those that are official and unofficial and superficial. I give all of you all honor, and I love the Connors. Uh, I got to meet them, them 12, 11, 12 years ago, something like that. In my 10 at the least, 12 at the most. And uh, my mind's a little scattered right now. I got a phone call or an email reception here. Uh, 
received a phone call as well, but I first found out through email before service that uh, the man responsible for connecting me to be able to meet Pastor Connor and his family, Gary Lake, he was the district superintendent of South Dakota, and uh, he gave a young punk like me a chance. When I was 22 years old, I didn't have an ever-loving clue. It was his bright idea for me uh, to launch a church in South Dakota. Um, it was the week of graduation. I moved, uh, left IBC and just drove out there. No, no friends, family, whatever kind of thing in Watertown. And, uh, and I, I heard the clear voice of God to go there, but uh, he used Brother Lake to see something in me that I personally did not see in myself. And the great thing about Brother Lake is he would introduce me to people that uh, I didn't deserve the time or day to be around. And he introduced me to Pastor Connor, and uh, I think he probably just felt bad. Like, oh, this poor little four-foot-nothing pocket-sized preacher. And uh, he let me hang out at his church one time when I was visiting my grandma. And uh, I don't know for a fact, but it's got to be either number one, number two, or number three. But I want to say it was like the first invitation I ever uh, was able to preach somewhere. And uh, I'll never forget that. And, uh, Gary Lake passed away today. Um, he was playing basketball this morning. And, uh, he collapsed on the basketball court so in the hospital. He died on the emergency table. But I, so I'm a, I'm a little, you know, whatever. But um, I owe my marriage and I owe my ministry to Gary Lake. And there is a host of ministers in this room, young people, that they see something in you that you do not see in yourself. Look, this district can save time and money and stress by not having this camp. Like, they don't do this because, like, oh, man, this is fun. I mean, yes, there's elements of fun to youth camp. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. But they do it because people like Brother Sansom and Brother Brother Lopez and, and now Brother Strader, they see something in you. And one day when you grow up, God willing, if we any of us grow up, you're going to look back and be thankful. And I want us to show a moment of honor for all these men of God that put the time and the labor for you to be here. heaviness on my heart partly because of the news I found out but prior to that there was a heaviness on my heart what God told me to tell you tonight I want to take us to John chapter 6 and start at verse 5 when Jesus then lifted up his eyes he saw a great company come to him he said to Philip uh, where are we going to get by some bread so all these people can eat? It's kind of a profound question. There's like thousands of people all around. And Jesus says, let's go buy some bread and feed them. And the Bible says in verse 6, this said he to prove him. Because Jesus himself knew what he was going 
to do. When God asks something bigger than you, something beyond your ability, He's testing you. And He already knows what He's going to do. So don't just brush off the voice of the Lord no matter how big it is. Because if it's not big enough beyond your ability, then you don't need a miracle and you don't need that way maker in your life. And so Jesus said this to prove them. Philip says, well, Jesus, if 200 penny worth of bread's not sufficient for them, that every one of them can take just even a little bit. Basically what that says in modern day vernacular, if all of us put our money together and we all work together for a week as a group of disciples, we still wouldn't have enough money to buy enough food to feed these people just a little bit. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, says unto Jesus in verse 9, There is a lad here. He's got five barley loaves. He's got two fish. But what's that? What's that minuscule, that pathetic, puny little amount among so many? But Jesus he just kind of doesn't care, and he just made everyone sit down. He says, all right, get all these people to sit down. And there's about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks. He distributed to the disciples, the disciples to them that were sit down, likewise to the fishes, as much as they would. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet. And they were filled. At first, the disciples were saying, they're just going to get a little. Look at this. They are not only filled. Jesus gives instructions, gather up the leftovers. Get all those fragments, those little pieces that remain. Because if we gather the fragments, we don't want anything lost. And when we gather the fragments together we are going to find the miracle that took place. We are going to find 12 baskets of leftovers. Over and above in verse 13. Let's go to verse 9 again, and we're going to pray. I want you to read those first five words in that verse with me. There is a lad here. I come to you under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, there is a lad here. I'm not preaching to North Texas. I'm not preaching to California. I'm not preaching to Louisiana. I'm not preaching to Illinois or Indiana. I'm not preaching nothing against those districts and their sizes. We aspire to have a breakthrough as they had in years gone by. But I'm here to prophesy to the wind. There is a lad here, underneath this canopy, there is a person in this room that God has foreordained for such a time. Can we lift our hands right now? And can we lift up our voice in intercession and inspiration? I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by my might and not by my power. Let us clap our hands to the Lord. With that very utterance, we can have an altar call right now.
for you have already received it in your spirit. There is a lad here. Many are called, few are chosen. What I preach to you tonight applies to every single person under the sound of my voice. Whether you are five years old, 50 years old, above, beyond, or in the middle. This applies to everyone that is in this room. But I am specifically targeting those that have registered for this camp between the ages of 12 and 18. And I know there's some hyphen age here as well. I speak to you under the fear of God. There is a lad here. In this room, you think you're passing through life without value, without purpose. Well, I'm not talented. I'm not rich. I'm not capable. I don't have preacher lineage. I answer you, swallow your pride. Swallow your independence. See, pride comes in various forms. There is the also familiar form that none of us like. It is those that are just openly arrogant and defy people's talents and abilities by portraying themselves as superior. Nobody likes that. But pride is unnoticed many times masked by inferiority complex. By low self-esteem. You can think, what? Usually the humble people are insecure and feel inferior. But no, when God calls you something and tells you to do something, if He tells you to stand up and go across the street and witness to someone, you say, well, God, I'm an introvert and I don't have all the words to say. I'm not like so-and-so that can sing. I'm not like so-and-so that can do this. You are now putting your self-interest above his interest and you're out to protect how you look and how you're perceived instead of how God is perceived and how that soul is going to be destined. That is pride. When you put your will above his will, Jesus said it like this, wisdom is justified of its children. We can justify just about anything. You ought not to justify any sort of rebellion contrary to what God is asking us to do. You can write down Matthew chapter 25. We will not read all those verses, but the focus of what I'm going to speak for just a couple moments here is between verses 23 and verse 30. It is a very familiar portion of Scripture about the Master and He goes to three different servants and to one servant he gives five talents and to another servant he gives two talents and to another servant he gives one talent. And then he tells them, I'm going away, but I'm going to return. And when I return, I expect you to multiply that which I gave you. I expect you to be faithful with that I gave you. And the Bible says the master gave to them according to their now I remember reading this for the first time and it kind of shocked me, surprised me, caught me off guard because you know the guy that has five talents he doubles it and now he has ten talents when this, the master comes back and the guy with two talents when the master comes back he now has four talents to show for his work and then the guy with one talent he said master I know you're a hard man you're difficult. You expect a lot out of me. 
You're an austere man, it says in another gospel. That's what you are. And the master didn't argue or refute that at all. He owned up. He goes, I know, and you know I'm an austere man. You know I'm a hard man. And he said, I wasn't like the other guys. I didn't, I didn't gamble the talent you gave me. I protected it. I kept it. I hid it in the earth. And here it is. That which you gave me, I made sure I didn't lose it. And so I remember the first time reading that, I thought he was going to say, wow, you are like the bomb.com. Thank you for not gambling that which I gave you. Thank you for cherishing that little thing that I gave you. But he begins to rebuke him in verse 26. He says, you are a wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I didn't sow, and I gather what I did not straw. You knew I was a hard man. You should have, at the very least, put it in the stock market and hope for interest in return. And if that doesn't shock you, he takes the one little talent that the guy had and gives it to the guy with ten. He gives it to the guy with the most. You know, in modern day society, well, no, we need to do a fair share and spread it across evenly, and we got to make sure the guy with nothing gets it. That's not what the master did. Let me ask you a quiz question here. In this story, who's the master? Jesus. Thou hast rightly judged. Who is the servant? Us. Jesus, in his own parable, could have described himself any way he wanted to. But you know how he described himself? I, the master, am like a really like comfortable dude. We just kind of like chill, right? Jesus described himself not as some fluffy pillow, cotton candy, bed of roses. Jesus said, I am a hard man. I have expectations of you. And we are the servants. Here's the moral of the story. See, there's some people in this room that have five times the ability as us. Some people have twice the ability of us. And some of us, we're like barely even a one-talent individual. That's me. I, by nature, believe it or not, by nature, I am a one-talent individual. And here's the moral. No matter if you have little talent, twice the talent, or five times the talent, no one is exempt from doing something with their talent. None of you are exempt. And so when you begin to say, well, I, I can't sing like them, and I can't play like them, and I'm not an extrovert, and I'm not funny, and I don't know two languages, and I barely know how to read Dr. Seuss books. I barely know how to do anything. So what are you going to do? Take the Now, God gave to them according to their ability. We don't like the word ability. I will say is God doesn't need your ability. Ultimately, He needs your availability. That 
is what God is after. A generation of people that make themselves available. Your generation just happens to be full of ability. But God's not impressed with your ability. He wants to see if you'll make your ability available for the kingdom of God. For the purpose. So stop having an inferiority complex. Stop being someone that kind of just plays their violin and expects everyone to feel bad for you. I will say this, five talent people make me sick. I could puke all over. I mean, they could play, they could sing, they could preach, they could tell jokes. They're bilingual, they're funny, they have all their hair, they're tall. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. I mean, goodness gracious. And then there's just some of us. All the one town. But look, the wrong spirit is to be jealous of what God gave them. Because God gave that ability. So when you sit in the worship crowd and the worship leader that might be talented and you refuse to worship because you got a chip on your shoulder because they keep getting used for activities and functions, that, my friend, is the wrong spirit. God gifted them. God blessed them. God... But you five talent individuals... Don't start getting this superiority complex that because you have a microphone and because you have a platform that you're better than those that have only one talent. No, my friend. We are equal laborers in the field of God's labor. We are servants. We are unprofitable servants. Someone shout praise the Lord. Listen to me. The mission and the objective of God giving you your talent, no matter what level of talent he's given you, is for you to grow your talent. I told you I'm a one-talent individual by nature, and you probably would not believe me, but I'll just say it like this, and you can take it in the spirit in which I say it. It is not in arrogance, but it's just in knowledge, and it is in confidence. Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is just assurance. I am not a one-talent individual anymore. I don't say that cocky. I don't say that airy. I'm just telling you the fact of the matter. I am not here today because I've been slothful and hid my talent. I went to Bible college for four years. Not one time did they ask me to preach chapel. All I ever, I never considered myself a preacher. I never tried getting into a position to preach. All I ever did was overcome my fear of reaching people. I have a fear of public speaking. I have a fear of breaking out of my shell. By nature, I remember giving speeches in school and I would hold that note card and I would shake and I would just be soaked in sweat. It was absolutely pathetic. But I know what the word of God says and I know there's an eternal destination and my pastor exposed me to souls for he said exposure breeds a burden and my burden exceeded my reservation about my personality and what people think about me. And I said if I keep this, woe is me, Paul said in 9.16 of Corinthians, if I preach not the gospel, if I do not open my mouth and open God's word to an open heart, woe is me if I so all I did in Bible college was teach Bible studies, 
I did outreach. I served. I put up the tent for tent revival. I cleaned it. I did all the to-do list. I did all the tasks. I went to every toilet. I swept the floor. I painted the rooms. I helped mow the lawn. All I did was serve. That's all one talent people can do, right? We can't sing. We can't preach. We can't do public speaking. But you can do something. Every level of talent that is portrayed in this room can do something. And if you do nothing for the kingdom of God, the king is returning for that talent that he gave you. You were born with that talent. You were born with that genetic disposition that you have. And don't get bitter about it because you are slapping God in the face. He made you the way you are. He created you the way you are. There is not a duplicate of you. So do not try to die a copy. Be who you are and give what you have to the kingdom of God. And so, at Bible College, all I simply began to do was there was nobody doing this outreach ministry in a storefront that the church had for free rent. And so all I did was ask permission if I could use that storefront in the ghetto and use the church van to pick up kids. And so I would drive around the neighborhoods every weekend and I would try to meet kids. There was this bread connection that we had in the community and they would throw away bread. And so we had access to them and we would get truckloads of free bread. And so I got that free bread, donuts and pastries. This doesn't take talent or ability. All it takes is willingness and availability. And I would take that bread, those donuts, those pastries, and I would go to houses in the ghetto and give it to them. And I would meet these kids and I tell them about the Jesus, uh, the, the, the Jesus house where we would meet on Sundays. And we began a Sunday school program that was non-traditional for kids in the hood. And every Sunday I was doing Sunday school. And I'm like, man, maybe God wants me to be a Sunday school teacher or an outreach director. And also I saw an empty lot there and I, I, I found out IBC had a tent that was laying in a garage. And all I simply did was ask, can I use that tent? And for four years, twice a year, we would put that tent up on that open lot. And we would go to that community where we had all those contacts. And we would have a meeting just like this with a tent. And then... And then uh, there was something called Young Adults on, on Sunday mornings at Calvary Tabernacle. And all the, the hyphen, a, a college career age people would be downstairs. And um, they were uh, crying and pitching a fit because no one wanted to play music for them to lead worship in class. Uh, because IBC Praise and Chorale would be there that, uh, down there sometimes before singing to the church. And to play in front of them is kind of intimidating. And I never played guitar or sang in my life. And I wanted to connect to these kids I was ministering to. So I, I had a guitar and I began to pray and ask God, Lord, I don't know how to play. I don't know what things to do. Help me. And God gifted me with the ability to play rhythm guitar and to begin this. I'm not a good singer. I'm not a great guitar player, but I can sing semi on key and I can play rhythm and I can lead a worship service. And all of a sudden, while everyone's whining, complaining about not wanting to lead worship, I said, we'll do it. And my wife and I, who are like terrible, 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 terrible. Are leading worship in front of IBC praise. 
My eyes were closed a whole a sweat just pouring down, but it was as unto the Lord. I simply made myself available. And then God began to work on my heart and say, well, maybe, maybe uh, God wants me to be a, a, a musician for a small missions church and I could help out because I, I know they'll never pay me to play music anywhere and they'll never hire me at a big church. I can help at a small church. And so all of a sudden I'm being spread all different directions. Then a missionary came through and completely messed me up. I felt like, man, I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to, I'm going to help out overseas. And then God called me to go to South Dakota. Just launch a, a church work in Watertown. And then it all made sense. You know how to, you know who had to reach the kids in South Dakota? My wife and I. You know who had to do the outreach in South Dakota? My wife and I. You, you, you know who had to lead worship service in South Dakota? My wife and I. And all of a sudden, now i gotta, I got to figure out how to preach. That's the only thing I didn't really have figured out. Still don't got to figure it out. But I tell you what, I'm not a one-talent person anymore. I don't say that cocky. I don't say that arrogantly. What I want, you know, I speak to the lie of this low self-esteem generation, this inferiority complex that you can be nothing for God because you only had one talent. I'm telling you, it's time that you put forth the effort into the things of God. Paul said in Corinthians chapter 9, he goes, look, look, we're running in a race. It's time you run to obtain. Don't you know that those who strive for the mastery, they are temperate in all things? God forbid the world is more disciplined about things that are not really all that important than the church is about things that are incorruptible. The world does great disciplines and great feats for things that are going to fade away. But we have this thing that's not going to fade I ask you, young people, what level do you want to compete? You may be seated. You're all taller than me. You make me feel weird. What level do you want to compete? LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, amazing athletes. I'm not a big sports guy. I don't, I don't know all the facts and the details about these guys. I, 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 I couldn't anywhere. But there are, there are literally hundreds of NBA players, but there's not a person in this room that can name all hundreds of NBA players. But if I ask you who are who are who are your heroes in the NBA, who's the greatest? The same names would reoccur in this room. You know why? Because they compete at a whole other level, a completely different level. Now, yes, a number of them. It is natural ability. They were gifted as a five talent NBA person from birth, but they didn't get to the NBA by their mere natural ability. They became temperate in all things, and they disciplined themselves. Even when people make it to the NBA, one of the common failures of these people that I read about, I don't know personally, you know, I, I would have made it to the NBA as a water boy, but at halftime I rolled my ankle, ruined my career. But these people who could that, that go to a whole other level, they have a discipline of a whole other level. Kobe Bryant, in his autobiography, when he describes some of the things that he's done, he, he would say when the team would go out to the party, he would go to the film room and he would go practice. 
He would wake up at 5 in the morning and play for two hours. Shower up, have a little 30-minute breakfast break, then go play for another two hours, then take a break and have another meal, shower up, watch some films, and then he would go play for another two hours. He would play throughout the entire day. And he said the motive behind that was he would do more than everyone else so that no matter how talented people were or how much work they put in, he always put in more work and he would be eons ahead of them. LeBron James, he can coast and just be a normal average guy and just kind of retire and kick back and relax. But at 33 years old, he's doing better than he's ever done as I have read about his career. That man invests $1.5 million into his body a year. His main focus is his core. After he had a back injury, he began to figure out what can I do because I want to keep competing and I want to be a champion. And then he began to learn about core exercises like Tom Brady. And he basically came up with this concept, no core, no nothing. And he began to work and perfect on that part of his body. And he's competing at a completely different level. He said this, he said, God gave me a talent. I am not going to mistreat it by putting junk into it. I never thought LeBron James would preach. But listen to me. Whatever talent you have that's outside of the church and whatever passion you have that is outside of the church that you put time, money, and effort into, some of you, you really get into this thing called basketball. Some of you really got into this thing called football. Some of you are very artistic. Some of you got all these amazing abilities. I'm not damning or condemning any one of these. But I hope your favorite thing does not exceed your discipline for the things of God. Because in this life, all that really matters is what we put into the kingdom. I was in a tree stand with Mayor Cornwell. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's kind of cool. Guy's amazing. I didn't tell him that, you know, I don't hunt. When I was lost in the world, I saw a movie called Bambi. It messed me up. We're sitting in this tree stand. There's literally, I'm not exaggerating, there's about a hundred deer surrounding us on this piece of property in this deer stand. And I'm like, this murderer, this murderer. Anyways, go hug a tree, right? And I, all I was interested in is trying to figure out how this, this guy's church, they bust in six to seven hundred kids for Sunday school on Sundays. What level do you want to compete? Yeah, you could be Pee Wee League. Yeah, you could be JV. Yeah, you could be varsity. But there's some people that go beyond high school and they make it into college. And some people, it's just kind of like a, a, a small college, but some go to different divisions. And some people excel at college, but there's some people who make it to the NBA. But there's some people that aren't just happy with just making it in the NBA. They want to be an all-star. Some people aren't satisfied until they get that championship. What level do you want to compete with for the things of God? And so here's what Mark Cornwell says. I'm asking him questions of how they built their church up and all these things. And he gave me Matthew chapter 5 and verse 47. And he asked me this question. What do ye more than others? That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. What do ye more than others? You want what others have? What are you doing that others are doing? And if you want to go beyond what others have, what are you doing more than those others have done? And so he began to tell me, 
I teach 15 Bible studies a week. How about you? I cannot expect to build that kind of church that he has built because I don't do what he does on a level of discipline for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, there is a lad here. And you're tired of competing in mediocrity. You're tired of being on the JV team. You're tired of merely just hanging out at a freshman level or a sophomore level. And you can feel a tug on your spirit. You don't know how to put words into it. But when you lay your head at rest at night, all of a sudden there's just something that keeps you awake. And dreams and ideas and visions begin to go through your mind. I'm telling you, it is an invitation of the divine saying, I know that there are many called, but there are some people that want to rise to the occasion and they want to be a chosen generation they want to be a royal I want us to lift our hands right now I want you to begin to cry out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're here and you're intimidated Paul told Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 God did not give you a spirit of fear God gives you power, love and a sound mind John said in 4.18 there is no fear in love perfect love cast out fear see fear has torment and he that is fearful is not made perfect in love but tonight God is about to cast out fear God's about to perfect some of you in love See, some, some people think oh, arrogant people get exalted and humble people, they stay behind the scenes. You're, you're contradicting Scripture. James 4.10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will keep you down. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7 Promotion doesn't come from the east to the west, but God is judged. He picketh up one and he puts down another. God knows how to elevate somebody that's faithful, whatever level talent they have. And look, the reason why some of those five talent people seem to get ten talents and they get to take your opportunity talent, it's because they're not lazy. They're not slothful. They are hard workers. They are diligent. They are servants. Yes, it might bother you about their level of ability, but you got to understand it's more than their level of ability it's their level of availability see when you're really humble and when you really fear God you can write this down in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 26 says in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence the righteous are bold as a lion. I don't get bold and I don't, I don't act like I'm arrogant. I'm, the reason why I'm confident and I'm bold is because I have spent time with God. I've spent time in the prayer room. I've talked with Him. I've visited Him. I fasted. I prayed. Look, if there's anything you like about me, I'm not here to grandize myself or advertise myself, but I want you to see the real picture. I worked. I served. I labored. I stayed behind the scenes. I didn't fight and politicize. I have never handed out a church card. 
I've never picked up a phone and said, hey, is there availability? I never one time in my life did I prostitute my ministry. I simply served and made myself available. I want you to understand some things. The things that you feel that come through this microphone is from a walk with God. It's someone that spends one to two hours in prayer on a daily basis. It's someone that has fasted 40 days twice. I am not patting myself on the back, but I want you to have an understanding. You gotta make yourself available. You gotta sacrifice. You gotta put in the effort. You gotta get desperate and say, look, I know what the world does for its occupation, but I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I want to give God every. God created you in Genesis 1.26 to give you dominion over this earth. He created you to have dominion, not to, be, not to be under the power of the enemy. He formed us from the dust of the ground in Genesis 2.7. Can we lift our hands? What level do you want to compete, young person? God is about to separate some of you from your peers. God's about to separate you from some of your friends. Look, look, just because, just because you don't make it into the championship doesn't mean like you're, you have no value whatsoever. Just because, see, I, I think, I think you can get to heaven. You know, repented, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, do a little here and there. But you might be disappointed on the other side when you realize you could have been so much more for God. Moses, he was created for excellence. He was destined by God to cross the Jordan River, and he never did. We celebrate the Red Sea, but he never made it across the Jordan. I'm not saying he didn't make it to heaven, because we see him in the New Testament, on the Mount of Transfiguration, on the other side of the Jordan, talking with Jesus and Elijah. So you can get there. But you may never reach your full potential on earth that you were destined to. I see potential everywhere I go. When people forfeit it and sell out just so they can fit in, be popular, be cool. We got a lot of casual Christians in our movement. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bashing them, but I'm just saying they're just kind of coasting. They come, it's, it's just kind of like the, the, the church potluck mentality. Few people actually cook the meal and set up the meal. And all of a sudden everyone shows up and eats that meal. The people who prepared the meal don't even get to eat. They got to clean it up and everyone else leaves. We do that on Sundays all the time. Very few people is what set up that service to be. Set the thermostat, turn the lights on, vacuum the carpet on Saturday to change all the trashes out. They, they, they fix the mic system. They, 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 they change out the microphone covers. They did everything. And then all of you guys show up to church and you didn't do one thing to prepare that church service. And you sit there and you kind of, oh, I don't like this chicken. They don't really know how to make chicken. Oh, I hate green beans. Who brought the green beans to this potluck? It's time you start adding to the potluck. It's time you start bringing something to the church. It's time you, come on somebody, it's time that you start being a part of this. It's time that you had something to do with the carpet. It's time you had something to do with the trash can. It's time you had something to do with the lawn. It's time you had something. 
See, God sees those faithful and little and says, I can use that person because they got the right spirit behind the scenes and so I can put them in front of everybody when the time is ripe. But see, let me ask you this. If God told you, you will never, ever preach a youth event. You'll never get a district event. You will never, ever get paid to do what you do in ministry. Would you still do it? That's when you know if it's a call of God, if it's a vocation or a career. When we went to Watertown, South Dakota, we didn't look at demographics. We didn't look at income levels. We went there with no money, no job, and survived with nothing for three months until we found work. I worked three jobs. We had no money. We had nothing. The hardest Bible study I ever taught in my life is when we were hungry after church, and my wife and I could not get anything to eat. And so we had to open up the Bible, and we had to convince ourselves it's okay to use some of the church offering to be able to go get a meal I remember sitting in that parking lot when I, I, I heard their voice of my father saying don't you ever don't you ever walk into social services do not live a disabled life if you have an abled body and I'm sitting in that parking lot I can't even provide for my wife and kids I'm sitting there hearing my, my dad's voice most humbling thing to get out of that car and walk through those doors Working at an airport, negative 30 degrees, de-icing a plane in the open air because there's no indoor outport, airport. I'm telling you, that's when you know it's a call. As God told Ezekiel, you'll not win one soul. Would you still do it if you knew you were never going to have anything to tweet about? Well, i got 50 souls uh, saved. Oh, well, I'm so humbled and honored to preach at the big church. Whoop-de-doo. Ezekiel still pursued the ministry when God told him, you'll have no results. He said, hey, Ezekiel, you want to have some Ezekiel bread? Yeah, I'm hungry. Okay, I want you to get some human poop, set it on fire, and cook your bread with that. That's in your Bible. You know that? Oh, God, I don't really want to cook my food with human poop. Okay, I'll let you use cow poop. Oh, thank you, Lord. But he still did it. See, your generation, your battle right now is, oh, am I going to get placed? Am I going to get full time? Am I going to get some money for this? Am I going to get a retirement package? Am I ever going to be asked to preach a big event? I'm telling you, that's the wrong spirit. That's the wrong attitude. What we do, we do as unto the Lord. This is our reasonable servants. We are unprofitable servants. It's time that we serve God from our hearts as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ. I wish you lift your hands and your voices right now. Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm preaching about what I didn't intend to preach about. But we're in the vein of the Holy Ghost. God's about to wrap this up here.
You know how I asked you, hey, name your, you know, if we, if we begin to say, name your favorite basketball player, the same names. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Chef Curry. It all, all the same names, right? If I said that, name your favorite preacher, I would venture to say it would be a similar result. Lee Sonke, Best Man, Billy Cole. <laughs> it's because they compete at a different level. You want what they have? Figure out what they do. Ask yourself. Anyone ever heard of Lee Stone King? Kind of a big deal. Never talked to the guy, and then this last year he calls he calls my phone. And he begins to house the prayer. The Lord showed me who you are. And all. I'm like, I thought it was Jacob Coffee. And he begins talking to me. And we talk on a weekly basis just before service tonight. He talked to me. I'm not saying it to brag. Understand. Understand what I'm saying. But I've learned some things about his lifestyle. Do you think Lee Stonkey sits on Instagram and all day, oh, I wonder if this filter's going to work. Hallelujah. Do you think he spends that much time doing that? Do you think he sat there and, and did a Netflix binge? Do you think he spent his Friday and Saturday watching, I don't know, something? I'm trying to think of what popular stuff is right now. I don't know. But you want what he had. See, the reason why these services where it's like, oh, mantles are falling, impartation, the altars flood, is because people think that's a shortcut without sacrifice. I'm not against mantles. I'm not against impartations. There's biblical precedent for that. But the reason why people like going to those events and flood the altars for it, they won't flood the altars for a prayer service. They won't flood the altars for fasting. But you start talking about a mantle and impartation. And everyone's got to be touched by Stone King. And everyone's got to be touched by Klein Dance. I'm not against those men of God. I respect, I honor, I talk to them. But I want you to understand, it's not just an impartation. It's not just a mantle. It's a sacrifice. It's a lifestyle. I thought I was in a good, doing a good job praying. And then I'm, I'm good friends with a man named Joe Campatel. And that boy prays three hours a day. I'm like, God, back to the drawing board. I want to increase my, I want to improve myself for God. Have you learned any new memory verses? Have you taught any Bible studies? What have you done for the kingdom of God? Some of you couldn't wait to come to camp here and you practice and practice and practice your basketball and football just so you could hope to win the game. I'm not mocking you, but all I'm saying, that same energy and passion you have, you can direct it into the things of God. And they, what's more exciting? What's, think about this. What's more exciting? You running out on that football field and you getting that trophy that you received no paycheck for and you got no TV coverage for, you got no contract for, and everyone's going to forget about it in like just about two weeks. Or you going to the nursing home, visiting some elderly person no one knows about that's about to die of cancer 
and you lay hands upon them and all of a sudden that cancer falls off they rise up they come to the church get baptized in Jesus name fill with the Holy Ghost and then and their inheritance they give your church a million dollars What do you think is more exciting? I tell you what, I want to get pumped up about the things of God. I want to get excited about reaching this world. I want to get excited about miracles, signs, wonders. You know what it's time to do? It's time to make the church great again. It's time that church stops being dead, dry, boring, cold, stoic, rigid. It's time that we have miracles, signs, wonders, moves of God. But it's going to come from a generation that sacrifices. I, I got to stop. I'm getting excited. Last story. I'll shut up. Right here. You okay? One, two stories. You okay? Samson. We talked about him the other night, right? A man, a boy with destiny on his life. Absolute destiny. And now, in chapter 16, he is being mocked and made fun of by the world that he should have dominion over. And the Bible says this in verse 25. They called for Samson and they made fun of him. Verse 26. Let me say this and then I'll say that. It's easy to get loud and bold in the microphone. But don't get loud and bold in the microphone if you won't do it outside the microphone. It's easy to preach miracle signs and wonders from here, but you've never even seen them. Go do it. Gifts of the Spirit are not confined to the building of a church. Anyways. Samson, verse 26. You read along if you like. Samson said, to the lad. Someone say the lad. Samson held that lad by the hand. He said, suffer me that I may feel the pillars where this house stands on. And I want to lean on them. And here, the house full of men and women, Samson prays this prayer. He says, God, let me die. Let me die with he bows himself with all his might in verse 30. And those pillars crumble. The house comes down. And those that died at the death of Samson were more than he slew in his life. Listen to me close. I'm going to wrap this up as fast as I can. In one day, Samson did more than he did in 20 years. I ask us to consider what happened. The dream of Samson, this adult, I need, I need a young adult in their 20s. One of you guys want to call me? You want to be Samson? Yeah. We got a Samson. Let's give Samson a hand. I need someone between the age of 12, 14 come up here real fast. One person, real fast. Here we go. We got one. And I need, Brother Connor, would you be considered an elder? I know you're not. You're young, young man of God. Well, you're going spiritually speaking, you are eons ahead of us. Vintage, classic. Here's what happened. The dream of Samson was placed in the hand of a youth and it was led to the pillar. 
the adult joined hands with the youth and they leaned on the pillar. A reaction occurred. Listen to me in the Holy Ghost. There is a lad here that is the missing link to the revival in this district. It might be one of you. It might be two of you. God willing, it's more of you. But there's some of you, I can see it on your faces. I mean, you can hardly contain yourself right now because you know the Holy Ghost is talking to you. He's calling you to another level, a level you've never operated in before. And God, see, you've been blessed with some pastors and some adults in this district, and they got strength. But see, there's a vision this generation has. And when the adults, led by the hand of the youth, placed at the pillars, and they join together, and they're willing to be broken together, and they say, God, I don't need my name to be on this revival. I just want to be broken in this revival. When this equation takes place in this district, there's going to be more done than the past 20 years of Arizona. In one year, God is going to pour out His Spirit when a young lad joins hands with the elders. I wish someone lift up your voice right now. I believe there's a lad in this I wonder what would happen if the youth, the adults, the pillars would be willing to be broken together. Adults and pillars that are in this room, listen to me. I have absolute nothing but honor and respect for you. But these young people, instead of just seeing you point your finger at them, they need your hand in their hand. This is the best way to lead and raise a young generation. Not from the distance being an armchair quarterback saying, oh, this generation, they're a bunch of worthless nothing, a bunch of millennials. No, no, no. You can better lead with your hand in their hand. Young people, it's time that you start to respect your youth pastor and you put your hand in their hand. And you know what else you need, young people? You need to feel the pillars. Samson said, let me feel the pillars. Elders, I know you don't have as much energy as you used to have, but every once in a while in that altar, let a young lad feel the hand of a pillar on their forehead. I know we're irritable. I know we do crazy things. I know we're, we, we wear tight pants and have crazy haircuts. But let us feel the hand of a pillar on our head, speaking into our ear, embracing us. And I'm telling you, that young person will be willing to be broken with you. They will be willing to give their vision to your dream. And you will have what you've never had in the past 20 years. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams, visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The generation gap can be closed by unity. Lead me to the pillars. One final push. One more grand effort. I know you're tired from past efforts. Let's do this one more time. For this one counts. 
We are in the fourth quarter. We're in the second half. We're on the back nine. We are in the closing minutes of what all of our elders before have gone before. One more time, young people. One more effort, elders. One more effort, el- uh, adults, Samson's. Let's join together. Youth, you see things differently and uniquely without fear or second thought. Adults have strength and pillars have wisdom. When you have strength, wisdom, and vision together, I'm telling you, the possibilities are limitless when we begin to work together as a district. One more illustration, is that okay? One more, I'll stop. One more thing about Samson. Chapter 15, verse 4. Samson went and caught 300 foxes, took firebrands, turned them tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between those two tails. One fox is not enough. I thank God that there's a ladder to that God's calling to be chosen in this place. And I know you may be insecure feeling you're the only one that's going to rise above your peers. You see what you can do when you begin to get on fire and you put hand in the hand of the adult in the pillars. And then all of a sudden you find someone else, you begin to lead people. And you'll begin to tie up with them. Begin to grab someone's hand. Grab their hand. It just starts out with one person. Keep grabbing hands. Whoever's the last hand, grab the next hand. It just starts with one person. It just starts with one fox. It doesn't seem like you could do a lot with a fox. But you get one fox. And then another fox. And then another fox. And you tie that tail to that tail. That vision to that vision. That dream to that dream. All of a sudden there's a little momentum building up. All of a sudden you got more bodies. All of a sudden you got more help. All of a sudden you got more strength. See, one person can't do it by themselves. Now one person may put a thousand to flight, but two could put ten thousand to flight. What can three do? What can four do? What can five do? What can six do? See, it's time that you group of young people, you're not just joining together to be on the same basketball team. You're on the same gospel team. You're on the same outreach team. You're on the same Bible quizzing team. You're on the same spiritual team. When we begin to join hand to hand, all of a sudden we got a host. We got an army. Listen to me in the Holy Ghost. Here's what Samson did. Once he got a core of foxes united, he put fire in the midst of them and released them into the harvest. At the end of the day, the enemy did not have a harvest any longer. I'm telling you, it's time that we join together, get on set fire of the Holy Ghost, go out into the fields, and the enemy is not going to have a harvest anymore. We're going to set that harvest on fire. We're going to set Arizona on fire. Come on, church. Where is that lad? Are you in this room? Are you in this room? Are you in this place? There's a lad here. There is a lad. There's a lad here. There's a lad here. What level do you want to compete, young person? What level do you want to compete, young man? Young woman? You're going to have to sacrifice that relationship. You're going to have to sacrifice that job. You're going to have to sacrifice that career. There's something to sacrifice. Ah! Okay. 
I need some adults and pillars. I'd like some adults and pillars to come to this platform, please. If you guys could clear I'd like some adults and pillars to come on the platform with me. If you're 30 years old and upward, I'd like for you to come up here with me, please. If you're willing and able, if you guys could scoot up. If you're 30 years old and older, I'd like you by this platform, please. Thirty years and upward. And please, if you are 50 years and upward, we could really use your help. We need some pillars up here. We need some adults up here. The Lord has just tied this group of tails together, adults and pillars. I want them to begin to feel your hands on them. Listen, young people, I don't know how we're going to do this exactly. I don't know how this is going to work out, but listen to me. I'm giving instruction. From over here, I want the young people begin to make a line and come through. you got to move fast because there's like 250 of you. We can't pray a minute for all of you. But we're going to move you fast. And I want you to feel the hands of the pillar. I want you to feel the hands of the adult. They believe in you. They paid for you to be here. They sacrificed for you to be here. And I would like, I don't know if we can make like a, a prayer line here. Some on this side, some on that side. And young people, starting right wherever this tunnel starts, we're going to have a prayer line. But you're going to move fast. I know some of you are going to want to drop and collapse, but you got to think about others. I want you to move through this fast. The Holy Ghost is going to do it fast. Because if we pray for each of you for 30 seconds, it's going to be too long. I need you to move right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to go back to the altars. And I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to begin to pray for one another. Come on, these pillars believe in you. These adults believe in you. This Samson generation believes in you. These elders believe in you. Go find a place to pray after you go through this line. Find a place to pray. You've been appointed and you've been anointed. You've been invested in. You've been prayed over. Now stir up the gift that was put inside of you by the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Come on, stir up the gift, young people. Stir up the gift that was put in you by the laying on of hands. That's it, pillars. That's it, adults. Pray with fervor. Pray with authority. Go ahead and impart something into them right now. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. That's it. That's it. That's it. Find somewhere to pray. We believe in you. We believe in you. We believe in you. We invest in you. We impart to you. La 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 baha.
Come on, move quickly. Keep moving. Come on. Come on, we want to pray for everyone. Move quickly. Once you go through that prayer line, you're not going to be the same. You find a place to pray under this Ramada. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man. That's it. You're set on fire. You're set on fire. You're ready to go out into the harvest. The enemy is not going to have a harvest at the end of the day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, open up the windows of heaven. Roll back the roof of this building, Jesus. I pray you fixate a ladder between heaven and earth. And may the angels of the Lord ascend and descend upon this location right now, God. I pray you visit us with your divine presence. Let there be a glory cloud that hovers amongst us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you send forth your warring angels in this room right now, God. Whatever opposition may come against this generation, Lord, I speak liberty. I pray you give them power, dominion, and authority from on high. God, to go forth and to conquer wherever they set the sole of their foot, God, that they would take on that land. in the name of Jesus the Holy Ghost is upon you the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you he's anointing you to preach the gospel he's anointing you to set the captive free in the name of Jesus thou art loose in the name of Jesus thou art loose in the name of Jesus thou art loose your pillars love you these adults love you we are for you there are more for you than there are against you there are more for you than there are against you yes 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 Rabata sataka, rokoto tokota ta, mandarara nanaka, leondorobotonara. In the name of Jesus, that's it, that's it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Roreba, lo ro 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 here there is a lad in this room that's it young ladies go ahead and pray that's it young men go ahead and intercede there's a young man deep is calling for deep right now come on there's some of you that want to go deeper and the voice of the deep is calling you come on deep calleth to deep deep calleth to deep
That's it. That's it. Just like Isaiah. Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. I make myself available, God. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to make myself available. I'm not going to make excuses that I got no talent or only one talent. God's going to use the talent you have. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. Yes, that's it. There's a lad in this room. There's a lad here. You only got five loaves and two fishes. But you put that little you have in the hand of the master. He's going to break it. He's going to bless it. He's going to bless it.